0: Hey there, welcome to the Universal Blueprint, a podcast series on the UN's 17 Sustainable Development Goals. The UN created these goals to be a blueprint to achieve a better and more sustainable future for all. Every episode will delve into one goal and bring an expert in to share their perspective on it. Together, we'll learn how to make these goals into realities. This podcast is brought to you by the United Nations Association Chapter at Northeastern University University and is produced by Mihiro Shimano and Elizabeth Yeager. Welcome back to the Universal Blueprint. My name is Elizabeth Yeager, and I am the host of today's episode, SDG 6, which is on clean water and sanitation. In SDG 6, the UN strives to make clean drinking water and adequate sanitation available to all by 2030. To achieve this, Goal 6 states we will need improved water quality and use efficiency, implementation of integrated water resource management at all levels, protection of water-related ecosystems, international cooperation and capacity-building support for developing countries in water and sanitation projects, increased participation of local communities in projects, and to meet the needs of women, children, and vulnerable persons. At our current rate, yearly efforts will need to be doubled to reach these goals by 2030. Here are some statistics as of 2019. One-third of countries have medium or high water stress. High-stress countries are located in North Africa and West, Central, and South Asia. The stress level indicates the demand for fresh water is greater than the supply. Out of 172 countries, 80% have medium to low implementation, or better, of integrated water resource management and 60% of those countries are unlikely to reach full implementation by 2030. From 2000 to 2015, the population using safely managed drinking water services increased from 61% to 71%, but in 2017 the percentage remained at 71%. Despite this progress, we will need a lot more change to occur in order to achieve SDG 6 by 2030. To help us learn more about making an inspiring change, we'll be talking today with Patty Hall, the president of H2O for Life. Patty worked as an educator at Highview Middle School in New Brighton, Minnesota for 20 years, where she taught social studies, language arts, and special education. In 2007, Patty continued her passion for educating through co founding H2O for Life, a nonprofit organization dedicated to teaching students about the global water crisis and SDGs. The organization connects schools in Africa to schools in the United States, allowing U.S. students to fundraise for water, hygiene, and sanitation projects in their partner schools. By engaging in these service-learning projects, students are able to help those affected by the water crisis and become global citizens. Welcome to the podcast, Patty. Thank you so much for being here. No problem. I guess we'd like to begin by just asking you about your work at H2O for Life and how it began, how you started the organization.
1: Okay, well, I'm a retired educator. So I worked in a middle school for 25 plus years and was a teacher for over 30 years. And towards the end of my career, I received a note from a friend of mine that I'd met in Kenya who told me that their children were dying because they did not have access to water and did I know anybody who could help. So I knew he was asking how I could make something happen, and I thought of the 800 middle school students at my school and thought we could probably do something. So that was the beginning of h 20 for life
0: That's amazing. Were you always passionate about the global water crisis, or is this something you learned as you were asked to help?
1: I learned it as I went along because I truly knew nothing about it. I had traveled to Africa many, many times, and I always had clean water to drink. So I would see women carrying water. I would see kids carrying water, but I never really understood the breadth of the problem. And once this friend of mine told me that their kids were dying, kids that I had met, a community that I had been in, I just couldn't believe it. And I started investigating, and when I introduced it to my middle school, I had to learn a little bit about it so that I could do a presentation, and I was absolutely shocked at the enormity of the lack of access to water and sanitation around the world, basically.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So we decided to focus on school since I was teaching in the school and develop school-to-school relationships so that students could learn about the issue and take action to raise funds to help Students around the world have access to clean water, sanitation, and hygiene education in their schools.
0: Was there someone that sort of mentored you along this journey? Is there anyone you met that helped you kind of? Yes,
1: absolutely. I don't think anything happens without meeting the right people at the right time. And I was attending a conference in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I live in Minnesota. And a high school friend of mine said, gee, it sounds like you did some work in water. You really need these two wonderful friends of mine who have something to do with water. So I drove up to Santa Fe, had lunch with a couple of people. And this one gentleman, whose name is David Douglas, had an organization in Washington DC called Water Advocates. And they were advocating Congress to allocate funds for global projects around the world focused on water. And he said, gosh, I just never realized that kids could do such great things. And I said, kids do great things every day. People just don't hear about it. So I really thought I did one project. I thought I was one and done. And then all of a sudden he said, I bet you could turn this into something and and provide a way for other schools to do the same thing. So he invited me to Washington, D.C. I sat around this table with all these people that were in charge of NGO partnerships, Pepsi Coca Cola, big funders of water. And I thought, what am I doing here? And you know, we raised $13,000, which for my school was huge, but in the scope of millions of dollars, it didn't seem like much, but people looked at it as a new donor source for water, particularly in schools. So I wasn't planning to be a nonprofit founder, but I became an accidental nonprofit founder.
0: Yes, I've heard you say that phrase before and I love that phrase right it
1: really was and I have absolutely loved it it's been the most rewarding work I've ever done in my
0: life have you seen your life changed in any way since starting h 20 for life or the lives of your students
1: I yes I think so Um, the first two years I was teaching and running the organization which I was burning the candle at both ends And decided that it was time to retire and just focus on this. And I've always done it as a volunteer because I had a pension I could afford to do that. So I just stayed as a volunteer. But I've met so many wonderful people and so many people in communities that are so grateful for the access to water. And David Douglas, who I said is my mentor, really advised me to never fund the full amount of a project The local community needs to have ownership of that project, so our model is that we provide half the funds that are needed for water sanitation and hygiene education, and the local community and our NGO partners need to figure out how to get the rest of that. And oftentimes it's people providing local labor, sourcing of local materials, building bricks, doing everything they can to participate in the project, but they own the project when it's done. And our NGO partners also work to develop sustainability plans because it costs money to keep everything going. And so they have every school develop a plan of what they're going to collect weekly or monthly so that they can have some funds on hand if they need to buy something to fix something that has broken.
0: That's great. So you're making these projects sustainable, which goes with our sustainable development right. goals. Right.
1: I wish I could take credit for it, but I learned from the best from people around that know what they're doing on the ground.
0: No, that's wonderful. And I like the point you made about making sure that they had ownership because it truly, I think that does make a difference if it's coming from them as well, because then people get to keep the cycle going and keep learning how to make it better. Exactly.
1: People always want quotes from children on how is it now that you have water in your school? And truthfully, kids don't even realize that they don't have what they need, but the parents truly do. You know, kids are used to being sick all the time, to having worms, to having all these diseases that come along with waterborne disease. Mm-hmm. But once they have access to clean water and sanitation, it truly does transform a school. I remember the first time I visited a school project, I expected to see clean water and some changes, but they had built school gardens. They now had feeding programs. Their classrooms were cleaner. Everything changed. So I think it's just a huge intervention that has a lot of results.
0: Yeah, you don't think about all those other outcomes that can happen. Right. One of the goals of SDG 6 is ensuring that the needs of women, children, and vulnerable persons are being met. How have you seen women and girls in the participating schools be affected by this?
1: Well, I think it affects everybody in the community. Right. Firstly, most of the time, um, the girls are the ones that are carrying the water. So they are spending hours every day carrying water, and I think my aha moment was when I came across these three young girls, probably ranging between eight and 10 years old, gathering huge buckets of water, standing next to cows in the water, so you know the water's not clean, and it's a school day. So they're not in school because they have not finished gathering the water for their family, and they were gonna be late to school if they went at all. And then as far as latrines, if latrines are not provided at schools, once girls reach puberty, and they they have no place to have a private place to use the facilities, they stop going to school or they at least miss a week of school. So providing that has changed things. But I think that when you get girls more educated in communities, it changes the whole economic development of that community as well. Yes. So it is impacting everybody.
0: Mm-hmm. I love I love those points you brought up about the importance of school and education, and because we're reaching out to our, our students in the local area and hopefully further, so it's great things can happen well, when you give know, people I, the opportunity. Yeah, I
1: was looking with at the UN goals and just reading some things today to prepare for this a little bit, and it was really pointed out that it not only provides facilities that are much needed at schools, but it's also connecting with the global goals to improve education. And it's so astounding that in the developing world, about 40% of schools don't have access to clean water and sanitation. And schools are built all the time with no access. And it's important. Uh It's an important facility to have. All the schools we visit uh, keep statistics of attendance and the dropout rate of girls after fifth grade as schools go on. And they find that once facilities are available at a school, that doesn't happen. More girls stay in school for longer years. They stay through eighth grade. We usually are K through eight. Most of the secondary schools are private or have some funding and facilities are somewhat available. So we do a lot more K through eight schools than high schools. But for those kids to get through eighth grade and go on to a high school because they've been educated that far really changes their lives.
0: And that goes well with the next question I want to ask you is why do you think it's important that we teach about SDGs and the global water crisis in schools.
1: Well, it also is frustrating to me and amazing that when we go to educational conferences, that's how we meet most of our schools. We go to national conferences where there's lots of teachers gathered. And very few US teachers have heard about the UN Sustainable Development Goals. If you go to Kenya or Ethiopia or Uganda, They have heard about the goals and they are doing what they can to attack them. Mm -hmm. I think what we don't realize, it's a global call to action. And we are part of that globe. We are part of those people that need to be taking action. So in our program with H2O for Life, we try to connect the local and the global because water is important in our country as well as it is anywhere. And we need to educate youth to protect and conserve our resources for the futures. And that can lead to, now what can you do to help somebody else? So we try to do both those things as we work on our program. We're working with a partner in the United States called Dig Deep. And they just came out with a study recently that portrayed the fact that 2 million people in our own country do not have running water or access to adequate toilets. So it's not only a problem far away in Africa or Central America or someplace else. It's a problem in our own backyard. So this year and last year, we actually have U.S. projects posted on our website so that we are encouraging people to also raise some funds for those schools to get water and sanitation for kids in our own country.
0: That is great. I was going to ask you if you also taught about um, these problems in the U.S., any water crisis here as well. So do you have any advice for our listeners, um, many of whom are students who are looking to make a change towards SDG 6 and help out in this global water crisis?
1: Well, there's many things that people can do. You can do something literally in your own backyard. There's a lot of ways to preserve and conserve our water resources. You can do a shoreline cleanup. You can um, put labels on stormwater sewers so that the water is kept clean as it goes into our water resources. There's many things that people can do in our own communities to change the way we use water and to raise awareness about the fact that we can't continue to be over-users of water because the prediction is that about 40% of our world is going to be in water shortage by 2030. That's really looming. That's soon. And that's going to impact states within our own country as well.
0: Yeah, for sure. Do you think, with all you know about SDG 6, and as you just mentioned, um, by 2030, that it'll be possible to achieve SDG 6 by 2030?
1: I really don't think we're gonna get there. There's so much need and so much to be done, but I think we're making a big dent in progress all the time on those goals. You know, just to look at our impact report just for what schools have done, and this is just kids, that we've had over 1,700 schools participate with us in the United States, so that's impacting a lot of kids. And when kids in middle school, high school, elementary do a project, it not only impacts them, But their parents hear about it. Their community hears about it. There's a broad range of people that get educated about this problem just from kids participating. Um, So it's about 800,000 youth that have participated in our program. And we funded programs for 937 schools. So, a lot of schools have gotten access to water through kids. And it's kids raising those funds. We don't have a corporate donor that's coming in with a million dollars. We have kids putting their nickels, dimes, and quarters together and making this happen. And about 425,000 kids now have access to water and sanitation due to the efforts of H2O for Life participating students.
0: That is incredible. Thank you for all your work. And that's just amazing. Yeah. That's so inspiring to it. hear. <laughs> right. We were also wondering what you think you'd like to change for SDG 6 to be possible. Do you think there needs to be longer time in this goal or just that more action needs to be brought about? I, I've been
1: working on this issue since 2007.
0: Mm-hmm. And at
1: that time, it was the SDG goals that went to 2015. And then the goals were reframed. From 2015 to 30. So I think that it's always going to be incrementally moving forward because these are huge problems. When you have 2 billion people in the world that don't have access to toilets, I don't think that's going to be solved in the next 10 years unless we put a lot, a lot of funding into it. And the same with the, you know, 850 million people that don't have access to water. Those things take time. And we work typically in the rural areas Because we can't really have kids fund a million dollar project in a big city, but they can fund a project that helps one school get access to water right now when piped water is going to be years away from coming into their communities. So I think it's step by step moving along. Right now we do a lot of VIP latrines, which are pit latrines that have good technology so they don't smell as much as they used to and they have ways to keep them cleaner and pump them out so it's better technology. But hope is that people will have running water sometime, and it's it's just going to take time. So I, I think that we'll make progress on these goals. I think we may have to re-push them forward and come up with some other strategies.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on to our podcast. It has been such a joy to talk to you. It was really my pleasure, and I
1: um, would be happy to talk to you at any time. And again. Anybody who wants to help in the global water crisis, please reach out to our organization. We think we have a really great program and great materials and can really help people make great things happen. I just want to make sure that people know that our website is h 2 forlifeschoolsorg So if they want to find out more about us, they can certainly do that.
0: Thanks for tuning into today's episode on SDG 6 on clean water and sanitation. And a special thank you to Patty Hall for talking to us about H2O for Life and giving us insight on how the organization was formed and how it has transformed students' lives all over the world. We're so glad to have learned more about the global water crisis, and we hope you are inspired to take action starting from your own backyard. Join us for our next episode, which will be out next month. See you next time.